and thank you everyone for joining us. I hope this will be an interesting, informative discussion around some of the latest data in rheumatology. My name is Professor Peter Nash from Griffith University in beautiful downtown Brisbane. And today I'd like to welcome to the CSF podcast, Professor Charis Meng from the Division of Rheumatology, Hospital for Special Surgery and Department of Medicine, Will Cornell Medical College, New York. Welcome and thank you so much for giving up your time. I know how busy you are. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about her recently published paper in Journal of Rheumatology. Can patients with controlled RA taper methotrexate from targeted therapy and sustain remission systematic review and meta-analysis? So welcome. And just to put set the scene a little, can you tell us about your background and your interests and where you're working at the moment and what you're working on? Oh, certainly. Um, my name is Karis Meng, and I am a clinical rheumatologist at the Hospital for Special Surgery and the Well um, College of Medicine. And I've um, largely been in clinical practice. Um, and over the past few years, I've been working with uh, Vivian Bykirk here at our Inflammatory Arthritis Center here at HSS. And um, we've been working on uh, her catch cohort in uh, early uh, RA. We have a center here at HSS as well as her catch cohort in, in Canada. Um, but we started with the systematic review um, uh, uh, patients with rheumatoid arthritis uh, tapering methotrexate um, uh, from combination with uh, targeted therapy. Tell us a bit about the scene in the, U in the US uh, for those unfamiliar. Um, is methotrexate 100% used as the first biologic of choice or can you go straight to, not a biologic, sorry, first conventional synthetic DMARD of choice or can people go straight to a biologic if they wish, depending on their insurance? How widely is MTX used? I think methotrexate is still often used um, as a first line therapy, unless there's uh, a reason not to do it. Um, uh, so, uh, in general, it, it, it is still our first-line therapy. We, we obviously have uh, situations where um, either because of, of hepatic issues or um, we have a, a young female patient um, who wishes to try to conceive where we will go straight to um, a, a TNF agent. Um, uh, but for the most part, it, it remains our, our first line. So you do have the option to go straight to a biologic if you wish, if you can argue a good case. And does anyone use subcutaneous methotrexate? It's only recently been introduced to our country. Yes, I think this is a, a good thing to, to point out. I think subcutaneous methotrexate uh, could be used more often before transitioning to a biologic. Um, it's something that we do uh, discuss, but something that I think could be um, brought up more often, especially with our trainees. So tell us a little bit about your study. In particular, what were the aims of the study? Well, uh, the reason we decided to um, pursue this uh, was because a, a lot of our patients, uh, as we were just alluding to with rheumatoid arthritis, often struggle with the side effects of methotrexate and adherence to methotrexate remains highly variable. And for many of our patients, I, I think this is often something patients initiate. 
uh, tapering RNA therapies remains a desirable goal for them, especially when their disease is, is under control. And our ACR guidelines, um, they conditionally recommend the tapering of methotrexate before tapering biologic DMODs, but acknowledge that there's an absence of direct evidence. And when you look at the prior reviews um, on tapering methotrexate when combined with uh, biologic agents, they focus on tapering from uh, combination with TNF inhibitors only. Um, so we wanted to do an updated review addressing methotrexate tapering when combined with other targeted therapies, uh, including IL-6 uh, inhibitors and JAK inhibitors. Um, and we wanted to do it in a systematic uh, manner. So our objective was to determine if patients with controlled disease, whether it be remission or low disease activity, um, with, while taking methotrexate with a targeted therapy, whether it's a biologic or a JAK inhibitor, can taper methotrexate and so sustain remission. So excellent. So in our country, roughly 30% of patients are monotherapy for a variety of reasons. What's right. the kind of monotherapy background in the US? It's about it's about 30%, uh, uh, give or take, uh, depending on which fairly consistent, fairly consistent around the world. And because of that, a lot of our IL-6 and JAK inhibitor patients are on monotherapy. Is it similar in the US? I, I think uh, it is similar um, uh, because the because of the data I think that we're, we're all seeing um, it, you know that uh, the JAK inhibitors and IL6 inhibitors uh, might do better um, as monotherapy so that's what we think of uh, if we have somebody who uh, cannot take methotrexate. So tell us about your methods how did you do the study? We, we did a systematic literature search um, and we were looking specifically for prospective comparative studies of adult patients with controlled disease that were taping, tapering methotrexate from combination with uh, biologics or um, JAK inhibitors and they had to have reported remission outcomes. Um, so th this was not just RCTs, but we allowed observational comparative studies as well. And um, we found uh, 10 articles that met our inclusion criteria. I, I love the way you start with 4,400 and you wind up with 10. What, <laughs> what was the exclusion from most of those studies? Yeah, it, it actually reporting remission outcomes was, was a tough one. You know, they might've looked at something else like disease activity, but uh, that was, that was uh, a main uh, limiting factor. Does that mean that of the 10, if one is big patient numbers, it swamps the results for the others? Um, yeah, uh, we actually uh, didn't find uh, uh, a huge difference um, uh, with that. Our, our, uh, our heterogeneity was, was, was zero, actually, uh, despite the fact that um, we were not looking at a specific therapy. Um, uh, but we didn't find, no, I, we didn't find a, I think the, the oral uh, shift study was one of the bigger ones, but we didn't, we didn't, we found actually pretty consistent um, results across the, across the board. So you looked at early disease, late disease, you looked at gradual mm -hmm. taper and rapid taper, you looked at <clears throat> follow up, um, up to 18 months and one study, three years. Tell us a little bit about your results, please. 
Sure. So as you said, um, uh, you know, about five of the studies tapered methotrexate from a uh, combination with TNF inhibitors. So it was still, you know, a big, a big number, but we did have three that tapered from tocilizumab um, and nine studies were RCTs and one was a long-term extension study. And what we found our, our you know, our, our main analysis was the meta-analysis um, that pulled the results from 2,000 RE participants from the 10 studies that patients could maintain remission with an overall um, um, uh, relative risk of uh, losing remission of, uh, of 0.9, meaning they, they would have a 10% reduction in the ability to sustain remission. Um, and we didn't find any heterogeneity. We also calculated um, an overall pooled risk difference of minus 0.05, where if you use this pooled estimate, um, if one were to taper methotrexate from targeted therapy in 20 patients, 10% or two patients would not be able to sustain remission. And was there a difference between gradually tapering and suddenly stopping as you'd expect? We couldn't do a, um, a direct comparison because only two out of the 10 studies gradually tapered. Um, and one of the gradual tapering was pretty quick. It was over four weeks. Um, but we didn't, see, we didn't see a difference in, um, uh, uh, in flare rates um, when, you, when you looked at those two studies. But I, I, I think we just don't have enough. And that's an important point that um, eight out of the 10 studies just stopped methotrexate. Um, and in clinical practice, we may opt to gradually reduce uh, to find the optimal dose for our individual patient. What about late versus early disease and the ability to maintain remission? It, yeah, we, we wish we could, but there were only three studies of early RA. And of course, those were the methotrexate naive patients and the rest were, uh, the seven studies were of established RA um, uh, that um, uh, had a methotrexate inadequate response. And uh, we, we couldn't make a direct comparison. Okay. <clears throat> and was it important <clears throat> to have a placebo control in these studies or was active disease and active comparator an issue at all with any of the studies that you looked at? Um, I, most of them were placebo controlled. It was either seven or nine of the studies were placebo controlled. Okay. And um, tell us a little bit about whether there was a difference between stopping, say, a Tanacept versus the monoclonals and stopping with the IL-6 and the JAKS versus the others? Yeah, we, we didn't actually, because there were so few of each studies, we, again, we couldn't compare. Um, out of the five studies uh, that tapered from TNF inhibitors, three were Etanercept and then one was Sertilizumab and one, added, uh, uh, one Adalimumab, uh, but we we really just didn't have enough of each group to make a direct comparison. This was more of a, uh, of a, of a pooled estimate from a range of targeted therapies, uh, but I think those studies do need to be done to answer your question. Okay, and when we did the Tanacep uh, withdrawal study published in the Lancet, Joe Smolin, first author, the duration you're in remission before you tried to taper drugs, in that instance of the tenacept that was tapered, 
um, seem to have an impact on success. Did you find that as an option? We specifically looked at whether they had a run-in period and the SEAM trial and um, the, um, the oral SHIP study were the only two studies out of the 10 that had a 24 uh, uh, week run-in period. So again, too, too small to, to make a direct comparison. But again, that, I think that that's another limitation of the included studies that you know, the rest of the studies, it was just a, a remission or low disease activity um, requirement before tapering at one point in time. And most of the studies only required low disease activity. They did not look at uh, remission for their criteria. And our uh, main outcome was the proportion of patients who could sustain remission. So we did do um, another analysis um, looking at the risk of, um, of uh, losing uh, low disease activity as opposed to remission. And we found similar results. Similar results. You looked at x-ray damage, any impact on damage? Three studies looked at radiographic outcomes and didn't see a major difference. But here again, it points out a, a challenge with a lot of tapering studies, which is length of follow-up. The longest um, follow-up was 18 months. Um, so I think we need more longer-term data for radiographic outcomes. And you looked at function as well? <clears throat> yes. Um, and uh, there were some studies that found uh, a slight uh, increase in HAC um, and the physical function score in SF36. Um, there was one study um, by Pope that, uh, that found trends for worsening with uh, patient global tender joint count. Um, found a, a difference with more, more morning stiffness, but some of these didn't uh, reach significance. Okay. But and it raises the question. Go on. Uh, it just raises the question that if they've been follow out longer, could some of those functional outcomes have reached significance? Was there any safety signal by the way? Um, no uh, overall pattern. There were a few studies that showed more adverse events in the group treated with methotrexate. Uh, there was one study that had more adverse effects in, um, in the combination group, uh, but, uh, but overall, no, no strong signal. And I noticed that when you looked at TOFA, maybe the numbers were small, that when you tapered methotrexate from TOFA, there was a very low remission maintenance. Is that just a quirk of the numbers? Well, they also looked at persistent remission. Uh, that I, I think that was the only study that looked at per persistent or sustained remission um, over many weeks. So then the numbers go into the single digits, which is consistent with other literature, I think, of just sustained remission uh, over time in RA uh, is uncommon, even when no changes to therapy is being made. So it's more a, a disease than a drug effect. And finally, recapture. Can you recapture patients who flare once you've tapered if they lose remission? SEAM study did look at recapture and they found that 75% uh, of patients that tapered their methotrexate were able to regain um, remission. 
the long-term extension study found that those who restarted methotrexate later, um, more than four weeks after uh, stopping, um, had had worse scores, um, but but didn't give a recapture rate. And I think that's so an important point too that we have to counsel our patients before tapering uh, methotrexate or any uh, therapy that they may not be able to regain uh, what they had at the beginning. But if you're going to flare, restart early rather than late. That's right. That's right. That's a key message. Okay. And um, uh, predictors on who will flare, you've, you've got seropositivity, high baseline disease activity, um, anything else? Uh, um, I think we only had three studies that looked at predictors, but they were consistent with what we've seen in the literature. Um, um, uh, higher uh, erosion scores, worse functional status, um, uh, all seem to be pretty consistent, but there doesn't seem to be um, one biomarker we can consistently go to yet. <laughs> and the other thing, I, I was interested that early disease, 16% flared if you take, but in late disease, 8% yeah, flared. Yeah, I know. And you I would have that. it to be the opposite. Yeah, no, you, you wouldn't expect that, but I think it would be great to see more studies of early disease. So don't, do, can you give some advice on future study design? What should people do in the future if they're looking at tapering studies to answer some of these questions? I, I think it would be great uh, if we had more studies on early disease and um, if we had um, more uh, of a run-in period you know, to address uh, sustained remission um, prior to tapering. And it would be great to see uh, a more pragmatic approach to tapering, which is to gradually reduce, um, to, to, to find the, the right dose for the patient. Um, and obviously long-term, longer-term follow-up to look at the radiographic and, and functional outcomes. And until, and obviously these studies would be uh, more expensive to do, more difficult to do, and until we uh, get data like that, um, we did make it a point in our paper to, uh, to say that we, we advocate for the continued use of methotrexate when patients are doing well uh, in combination with their targeted therapy. Um, because you know, we, we, we think that um, it, it has value and additive therapeutic uh, benefits over time um, until those longer term studies show otherwise. This study was really meant to help inform patients and their practitioners that if there's you know, an issue with fatigue or GI upset or concern for the liver or for that female patient that needs to stop it because she's going to be trying to uh, conceive, uh, to inform those discussions um, about whether it's a good idea or not. So we tend to use ultrasound to help us decide who can taper um, make sure there's no subclinical synovitis, normal acute mm. phase reactants, nothing to find, and then they might be more successful. No, no information on imaging to help decide successful taper. I, I think uh, some of those studies have, yes, there have been some studies uh, using ultrasound to help taper. It just, um, it, it wasn't with methotrexate in, your uh, you know, in this context, yes. Excellent. So any take-home messages for our audience? It sounds like if you taper, you've got a 10% risk of flare, and then the patient has to decide, and 75% chance of catching it back. 
So the patient has to decide if that's for them or not, but any take-home messages for the clinician? Yes, uh, that, um, that now we have some data that, if, uh, that for our patients who are uh, not tolerating methotrexate well, who want to taper for some other reason, um, that, that the data says that they may do so, but they risk about a 10% ability to sustain remission but again, this only goes up to 18 months, and that, that is definitely something to bring up with the patient, that, um, that there's a possibility of disease worsening and they need careful follow-up and prompt retreatment to, to recapture uh, their remission. Excellent, and Burmeister showed if you cut the MTX to 10 milligrams a week, you can maintain its benefit. Did you notice anything or any recommendations on dose rather than cessation completely, if you don't want to risk that 10%? I, I, yeah, our, our data didn't come, didn't come up with a consistent dose, but, um, but from prior data, that, that makes sense. It, it makes sense with the state of the data to reduce the dose rather than to stop it completely, which many of these studies did. And one could look at the data and say, if the risk of re uh, losing remission is uh, is 10%, then we could reduce that risk by lowering the dose gradually um, uh, rather than stopping it completely. Excellent. So thank you again for your time. It's greatly appreciated. We know how busy you are. If you'd like to know more about this paper and others upload to the CSF website this month, you can get detailed slide sets are available in the publication section at cytokinesilion.com. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, other podcast media you use, and give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciated. Thank you, Peter.